I met a woman out of the Bible. Now the woman in the Bible had no name. But the woman I met was named Emily. The woman told about in the Bible was told about by Mark. He said that one day Jesus went into the temple. He went into the court of the women he could, have begun, he could have gone into the temple beyond that point where the precincts were more sacred, but it was reserved for men only. Jesus wanted to be out where the men and the women were together. And so he took a place there where he could watch the people as they moved about. It was here in the court of the women that the receptacles were placed that the taxes to the temple could be paid. And so each person who brought taxes to the temple went by these places and dropped their gifts. They were called temple taxes, but in reality, one gave what he chose to give. And the purpose for the collecting of this money was to carry on the work of the temple. It was something like the church budget. And so each person gave according to their desire. Jesus noticed that there were many persons who were quite wealthy. Their robes showed their wealth. The way they carried themselves proved that they were persons of means. He noticed that they were generous in their giving. He watched others come by who were less successful their gifts were smaller. He made a mental evaluation about each gift that was dropped, but said nothing. And then the little lady came by, the lady with no name. She was a widow that within itself expressed the fact that she had no one to take care of her needs. She just simply existed day by day as best she could but out of the little that she had, she wanted to give generously to God. When she came into the temple, she felt the presence of God in a very special way. And she walked over to the place where her gift was to be dropped. She was aware of all the others who had marched by and had given large gifts. She had two copper coins, the smallest of all the coinage of the realm. It wasn't much, but it was all she had. How could she give less? She might go hungry for a few days. It might be hard, but here was her opportunity to give what she could to God. She moved up quietly to the place where the coins would be dropped. Mark said that when the others had passed by, they made quite a show of their gifts because they were proud that they were doing so much. But she made no announcement. She slipped up and quietly dropped her two coins in and then walked away. I met that woman out of the Bible it was in a little village in the mountains of southwest Virginia. 
She hadn't come to the temple, but she came to my front door. She entered the door with the announcement, I wanted to come and meet my new preacher. I had just come to that village as the pastor. She didn't wait for me to come and seek her out. She came to find me and to welcome me. That within itself was a great gift. And then she sat down and began to talk about her church. Such pride. Now the church about which she spoke was not the church to which I had been appointed. That was the town church. But there was a little country church out in the open countryside, too small to have a pastor, only 12 to 15 members. And so it had been adopted by the town church as an outpost church, and the pastor went out every morning while Sunday school was being conducted in the town church, and there he preached to that little community of Christians. Then he left and came back into town, and they continued on with their Sunday school. The church was alongside a roadway that the highway department had widened and in doing so had cut up to the very foundation of the church building. It sat about six feet above the highway and the ground fell away sharply from the very foundation of the church to the roadway. It had been condemned. But the highway department had a heart. They knew that this was the only place for these few people to come to worship. And so they told them they could continue to worship there until they could find a new church. It had been painted at one time, but that had been a long time ago. It set up on a brick foundation on each of the four corners of the building, and underneath was only bare space. Cold air forced up through the cracks in the wintertime seemed almost as if one were outdoors. And there in the middle of the room was a large pot-bellied stove that was fed hungrily every Sunday to give some heat to those who huddled about it. She was always there. One day she said to me, I don't know if I'm giving enough to my church or not. Her only income was a government check. She wanted to use my mind for her arithmetic because she was uneducated. She had never gone to school, but she had learned to read the Bible, and that was all she could read. It's all she wanted to read. And when she told me what she was giving, she was giving more than 50% of that small check to her church. But what matter? Her needs were so little. She just wanted to have a comfortable place to sleep and enough food to eat. Beyond that, her love was giving to her church. And when they talked about building a new church, she started making potholders to earn money to build her church. They brought in pennies. It was all she had. But she gave all she had. Her name was Emily. And there where Christ remembers, he has the, vivid, the vision of two women. One seated in the temple at Jerusalem and the other in my living room. And a smile crossed his face as he remembered both. You see, these two persons reflected one of the greatest lessons that we can ever learn. Successful living is a matter of gratitude, of being aware 
of God's goodness and the goodness of other people, we may have much and material possessions, but we don't have anything that we're not dependent upon somebody for our having had. It may be someone taught us. It may be someone loved us. Someone gave us advice. Someone helped us in one way or another. Everything that we have, we have because somebody has given it to us. And we in turn must give to show our gratitude. To never show gratitude is to commit one of the most grievous sins that we're capable of committing. In this same village where I met the little old lady, Wesley and Karen were just toddlers and their mother became ill. She suffered a perforated ulcer and Frantically, I called the doctor and he rushed to our home early in the dawn and saw that she must be taken to the hospital immediately. He called an ambulance and we rushed to the hospital at Kingsport. And when we arrived there, the doctor said that she was almost in a stage of shock. And when I asked if I might go home and shave before coming back, he said, don't leave this hospital. It was then I knew how near death she was. I waited Throughout the day, a doctor practicing medicine in the city of Kingsport who didn't know me, didn't know my wife, wasn't even our doctor, came into that hospital room every hour throughout the day to see that everything that could be done was being done. And then when the day was over, he told me that I could go home, that the crisis was past. I paid his bill. It took me months to pay because I had so little, and the bill was rather exorbitant for one of my means. But I didn't begrudge one penny of that. I gladly paid it and would have given more if I had it to give. I sat down and wrote a letter thanking him for what he had done. The gratitude of my heart was overwhelming because he had given me something that spared me grief and loss. And I could never repay that. But how often do we never express our gratitude, are resentful of other people who do something for us simply because they have more than we? To live with a spirit of gratitude is to approximate the nature of Christ more than any other way in which we can live. Grateful for everyone. And when we're grateful, we don't find fault. We don't see shortcomings. We build upon what we have discovered as positive, and it blesses our hearts because of it. Not one of us is so sophisticated but what we are lifted when someone says simply, thank you, and how it must please God because of the millions who take him for granted. The thing that gets in the way of our being grateful to God more than anything else is our obsession with the things that are in the world and not in the Spirit. Jesus talked an awfully lot about things in our lives because He came to see that the love for things would stand in the way of our love for God more than anything else. 
He said that the quality of life is not the abundance of our possessions, but the quality of our life is the sense of love and gratitude in which we live. Jesus himself didn't seek material things. He could, with his capabilities, he could have amassed for himself anything that he might want, and nobody would have judged him for it. Look at David and Solomon, all of their glory and all of their riches. No one blamed them for their wealth and riches. They wouldn't have Jesus had he chosen that. And he was tempted too. When he went into the wilderness, he was tempted three times. And the one temptation that is more nearly the temptation that we experience was the temptation to surround himself with material possessions. I'll give you the whole world, said the tempter. But when someone came to him one day and asked if he could be his follower, he said, don't you know I don't even have a place to lay my head? One robe upon his back. If he had more in possession, we don't know what it was. And yet his was the most successful life ever lived. He knew what was important and what was unimportant, and he set the example for us. What a vivid example and how it runs off our back like the rain off the back of a duck. We won't take seriously that true joy comes from other sources than material things. Let a crisis come and we'll discover in a moment that nothing else matters now except that which is non-material that we're about to lose. If only we could discover that before we're about to lose it and it would shape our lives altogether differently. Jesus did not choose for himself material things, but he chose to grow in the spirit and he grew to full stature in the possibilities of the spiritual life. And it's that life to which he calls us. Too often in our giving to others, we give what's left over after we've given to ourselves. And Jesus saw in the gift of the woman a sacrificial gift. It isn't the size of the gift that matters at all. It's how sacrificially that gift is given. It doesn't matter. You don't even know you've given if you can give it and not even be aware of it. It's only when it pinches a little bit that you get the real joy out of giving. Moss Hart, the great playwright, wrote his autobiography. He called it Act One. He grew up in poverty. He said as a little boy, Christmas was coming And his father took him down to the shops on Christmas Eve. He wanted to buy him something for Christmas. And every shop they would go into, his eyes would grow wide and bright as he would see the things that he wanted. And he would point them out and he would say, I want this and I want that. And each time his father would say, look for something else. And they went through all the shops and still he didn't have anything for Christmas. And then they left and went back home empty-handed. And he went to his room resentfully. It's Christmas Eve and I don't have a single gift. My father took me out and showed me all of these things and didn't get me a single one of them. 
And in his anger and his resentment, he crept over to the door of his father's bedroom and he heard his father speaking to his mother, I didn't have the money to buy anything that he wanted. And then the words gave way to tears. And Ma's heart said, Then I knew that as hurt as I was, my father was hurt more deeply because he couldn't give. Emotion comes at the point in which it becomes difficult. But to buy the love and the devotion of our children with gifts that cost us nothing, bring nothing. But when you give to someone something that takes something of yourself to give, it's a real gift. The gift without the giver is bare. And every gift ought to reflect something given of ourselves. In the end, it's what we give away that we have left. We can't take material possessions with us out of this world. We leave them all behind. And when we build up great storehouses of things for the sake of having things, we're building a vacuum in our lives for the things that really matter. One of the buildings on the campus of Oxford College at Emory University was given by a benefactor just before the days of the Depression. The beautiful building sitting on campus educating young men and women. And then the Depression struck and the benefactor who had given that beautiful building lost everything that he had. The company failed and he was penniless. And in the depth of the Depression, one day he was seen on campus standing out in front of the building that he had given. And a friend walked by and paused and said, Don't you wish you had the money now that you gave to build that building? And the smile crossed his face and he said, No. If I hadn't given it, I wouldn't have it. I would have lost it. The only thing I have are those things I gave away. And that's the principle of building up treasures. Our treasures become that which we have given away, not what we have kept for ourselves. John Wesley said, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. And he said, at the moment of my death, censure me if I possess more than two silver spoons one by which I eat my meal here and the one in my rooms at Bristol. He had amassed a fortune in his lifetime and gave it all away. He left behind only enough to take care of his burying. And in his will he stipulated that those few pounds that he had left were to be given to penniless men to carry his body to its grave, and so it was done. What a majesty to living that we haven't discovered that comes in living with a sense of gratitude, knowing that what we give is the real substance of what we have. Jesus defined priorities 
to show us what was important so that we could live by those rules. It was told of his encounter with the woman who dropped in all that she had. But it was he who told the story of the man who had great wealth. And it seemed that with his wealth he earned more. He just couldn't lose any money. All he could do was to make more. And so he took his money and he invested it in more land and built more barns and the crops were greater and he filled more storehouses and he became one of the wealthiest men of the realm. And he stood back and he said, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished with my life. Look at my wealth. I can sit back and have no worries. I can eat, drink, and be merry. And then he awoke to the reality, thou fool. A fool, one who has amassed such wealth. Tonight this soul is required of thee, and it is an empty soul that leaves the body because the wealth can't be carried along. I grew up in a small town in East Tennessee, Mountain City, a village that had at my earliest youth only two or three general stores, one at which we traded regularly. I can remember many times going to the store with my mother and she would buy material to make clothes with or she were to be buying me a suit of clothes. She never bought it inside the store. She would always say, let me take it outside and see how it looks in the sunlight. It always looked different outside than it did inside. And so when it was viewed in the sunlight, the true colors came out. The true quality of the material was seen. And in a sense, that's what Jesus tells us. It's when we step through the doorway into the light of eternity that we can see the quality of what we have worn and what we have cared about. It's deceptive here on this side of the door. We presume things that really aren't true. We put values upon things that aren't there. We surround ourselves with inequities false judgments, and values upon the things that have no value. And it all looks good here on this side of the door because the light of the world reflects all that as priorities. But when we step through the door, we see everything for what it really is. And so much of that which we put great value upon is nothing but cheap, sham, show, glitter, valueless. It's stepping through the door that we can see the real value, the things that really matter. Jesus stepped through that door into our world to show us so that we wouldn't have to go through the door before we found out for ourselves. Shame on us when we ignore what he tells us and live by our own values instead. And now this. It all comes down to gratitude, being grateful, 
realizing that everything that we have is because of somebody else, and knowing that it is what we give that is more the measure of our worth than what we get. Lay not up for yourselves treasures that moth and rust will destroy, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven that are eternal.